Amen. Well, we had a good week last week with the Easter evangelistic meetings, and I had the extra treat that you all didn't have much of the time of just hanging out with Les Olala and doing some things with him and sitting around and talking a lot about ministry. I've known him for a long time, and we've, we bandered all kinds of things around, and we discussed all sorts of things, and uh, we came to a conclusion that I think a lot of people don't understand, um, and that is that we are all in the ministry. Every one of us as believers are in ministry. Uh, another, another gentleman that kind of impressed that upon me was, was uh, Dr. Ed Nelson, who just recently passed away at 97 years old, I think it was. And uh, he, as a young man, had been saved and then called into ministry. And, and uh, there is, an, uh, there is a, an attitude out there that you're not in the ministry unless you're a pastor or a missionary or an evangelist or something like that. But I liked the way uh, Ed Nelson's, I read his autobiography. It was, it's really good. I think I have a copy of it in the reading room back there if you'd like to see it. Um, it is about that thick. Of course, a 97-year-old man had a lot to write about. But uh, very old, very, very faithful man. And there were times in his life when he served as a pastor. There were times he served as an evangelist. There were times he worked as a businessman to support his family when there were some issues with his family health-wise that he had to take care of. And he didn't feel like, I'm not in the ministry because I'm not a pastor. Or I'm not in the ministry because I'm not a missionary. I'm not in the ministry because I'm in the ministry. Because whether he was being paid to do it or not being paid to do it, he was in the ministry. And I think every Christian's got to get a hold of that principle. It's just true. Uh, Les Olala and I were talking, and you know, when he got saved, he thought, I'm going to get my high school degree, and then I'm going to go back and work in the woods the rest of my life. And I'll just witness the people in the woods when I meet them on, when I'm out there cutting trees down. And working on the farm and whatever else he was doing. That was his plan. And I know in my own life, there have been times I've been a pastor, I've been a camp director, I've been a youth pastor, I've been a school teacher, I've been a bus driver. I've done a lot of different things, but I've never felt like I was not in the ministry. Now, where does that come from? By the way, the title of the series, look at the title of the series here, look at the front page. Welcome to the ministry. And what's the subtitle say underneath it? You read it for me. Like it or not, Christian, you're in it. That's just the way it is. If you have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you've been called to the ministry. Now, what is that? How does that work? Open your, open your uh, lesson and go to page two. Big letters there. M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y. I want you to get this down. You are in the ministry. After his resurrection, Jesus Christ, we just celebrated the, the Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And after Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he went about and he met with different people and he made it pretty clear. I'm going to heaven and you've got to continue this. I'm going back to my father and you've got to get this message out. It is your responsibility. None of these people were necessarily called to be pastors missionaries evangelists they were called to ministry and then they served and some of some of them served as pastors some of them served as evangelists some of them served as missionaries but they were all very busy about getting the gospel out so let's take a look at this first corinthians chapter 15 verses 5 through 7 this is after the resurrection 
Jesus was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, then of the twelve, and after that he was seen of above 500 brethren. So there were a lot of people that Jesus saw after the resurrection. About 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. Of course, that's when the time of Paul's writing of 1 Corinthians took place. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And then he goes on and said, later on, Jesus, I saw Jesus myself there, the, the, where Jesus appeared to Peter, or to Paul. So he went around seeing these people. He saw Mary Magdalene. There are other people that are not in that particular list that he did see. But he went from place to place, commissioning these people to serve him. Look at the next page, the next verse down, Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. These are very famous verses that we've all read. The eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Now it's very possible that that was where also those 500 brethren were at the same time. We don't know for sure where Jesus met with those 500 brethren. They may also have been there at the mountain there in Galilee. And when they saw him, it says in verse 17, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I don't think it was the disciples that were doubting. I think that may have been some of those 500. Have you ever been in a room with 500 people there? And one guy gets up to speak? And there may have been 500 people there who saw him. And there may have been among those things. And, Is that really him? I'm not sure that. He's way over there. I, I'm not close by. And they may have doubted a little bit whether that was Jesus or an imposter. But a majority of them, a great deal of them, did believe, obviously, because of what happened after he ascended in the beginning of the local church there. But anyway, some doubted in verse 18, And Jesus came and spake unto them, whoever was in that crowd, whether it was just the eleven or it was the eleven and others. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you all, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So here Jesus is saying, you go teach others. And why would you do that? You're making disciples of them. What does that mean? You're teaching them so that they will teach others. That's what discipleship's all about. We are training the next people to continue this on. This is why we have to have a burden for young people. This is why we have to have a burden for the next generation. This is why we have a bur- have, need to have a burden for mothers and fathers and children and, and teenagers and college students and, and these people we work with out there. They need to hear the gospel and then they need to be trained so that they can carry on the gospel ministry to other, pl- other people. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, by the way, this is the eighth verse. You read the first few verses and you know that Jesus has met with more than just the twelve. And, and, and uh, he is, uh, he's told them later on that they're supposed to be meeting in another, and, and they go on and they meet in another place, and there were about 120 of them there at the place. And we'll, we'll get, maybe get to that at another time. But Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he said, Ye, you, shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now when did that happen? The minute you accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells you, Right? So, you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you when you get saved. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Ye, you, that's me, that's you, that's us, that's all of us. Whether you're in this room or you're watching on live stream, that's you. You've been called to the ministry. It began there after the resurrection and it continues to this day. 
As long as we are here, we have this responsibility to carry on the ministry of sharing the gospel with a world that needs to hear it and making disciples of those who accept him as their savior. Bottom of that page there, the Great Commission transfers from those who were there with Jesus on that day, on that mountain in Galilee, all the way to you and me, all present-day Christians, and it will continue until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Whether we're in heaven or not, it's got to continue. It's got to keep going. My grandfather and my father taught me. They're both gone. I'm trying to teach my daughter and my son-in-law and my grandson and others as well so that they can continue it after I'm gone to heaven. The ministry is something that we all have to carry on. Page three, next page. We are all called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm one of the blessed ones. I don't want to say lucky because I don't believe in luck. But I'm one of the blessed ones because the Lord has allowed me to get paid to do this. I get paid to study my Bible and paid to study and to pray. And that's what I've been, that's what I've been called aside to do. But part of that is to train you so that you can do the ministry where you are. Because there are people all over this city and all over the place that I will never meet that only you will meet. You've heard the statement, and it's a good one, that you're the only Bible some people will read. They look at your life and they say, if that's what a Christian is, I either want to be one, or I don't want anything to do with that. It depends on how well you have been ministering. It depends on how well you've been doing the job that God's called you to do. It's especially true if you're a member of a local church. If you've joined Hamilton Square Baptist Church, part of joining the church is, is a long list of ministries in the church where you said, I want to make myself available to serve in one of those ministries. That's a ministry. That's, that's a job that you can do in the church. Now, not everybody's going to be a Sunday school teacher. Not everybody's going to stand up in the pulpit and preach. Not everybody's going to do what we're doing even here tonight. Not everybody's going to sing a solo. Thank the Lord, right? But, but all of us can find something to do, whether it is setting up tables like we do for lunch and meals. Some people do that. Some people help wipe them down afterwards. Some people take out the trash. Some, there's something that you can do that is a part of the ministry. And by your life, you are shining for Jesus Christ. And we all need to just get this into our heads and into our hearts. We need to find out because the Lord gives each one of us a spiritual gift that we're to use for the body of Christ. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Now, as we set sail in this series, you see that little sailboat there. The idea is we need to know where we're going. How are we going to get to ministry? You say, I don't know what I can do in the ministry. I mean, I sure can't get up there and preach. I, I sure am not going to sing a solo. You don't want me cooking lunch and mingle. There may be something that you can't do, but there's something that you can do. And my job as a pastor, part of what I get encouraged and paid to do is to help you and, and train you and, and, and prepare you and remind you of your ministry. And, and I want to do that. I hope you never feel like I'm nagging at you to do it because I don't consider it being something that you should, be, you should feel obligated to do. 
It's something you should just want to do. Jesus Christ died on a cross to save you from your sins. And he says, would you tell others about me? If somebody does something that wonderful for you, I, I don't know how we can do anything else but want to serve him and to please him with our life. Now, um, there's a Roman proverb there. I like that. When the pilot does not know what port he's heading for, no wind is the right wind. Some of you say, I, I don't know how to get this ship out of, the, out of the port, and I don't know how to grab the wind. Well, we're going to try to help you find what your wind is to get you going and set your sails out into whatever ministry God has for you. That's part of what I want to do in this series, is help you find out what your spiritual gift is, what talent God has given you, and how you can use it in the ministry. I want to enable you to do that, okay? Now, there's one ministry that all of us can do, and it's right there in the middle of the page, right under the ship. It's that ministry of prayer. All of us can pray. If you can't do anything else, you can pray. I remember my 97, I think she was 97, well, she was younger than that when, she, when I talked with her, but she was young. She was 92, I think. And I went to visit her one time, and she was in a nursing home, she was unable to care for herself. She was laying in a bed and basically just laid there and watched TV and read a little bit and she couldn't really get around too much. And I remember my grandmother, who was a godly lady, had served the Lord. She used to be one of those very active ladies in the church. She always made, I remember her making one of those, uh, a cake for something, some ladies meeting and it was like a baby grand cake, you know, it had all the keys on it and the top on the top of it. It was really quite fancy. That was the kind of lady she was. She was a church lady, you know, really, really active. She used to sing in the choir. She used to sing duets with my grandpa. He plays guitar, and they'd sing together in church. And, uh, and she was very active. She was a soul winner. She used to read the daily bread every day. Great, great godly lady. And, um, and, but there at 92, she says, Dan, would you just pray that God will take me home? Just pray that I'll die. I said, Grandma, I can't pray that way. No way I'm going to pray that way. She says, well, what, what? I'm no good here. I said, Grandma, you can pray for me. You still have a ministry. You can pray. Well, she said, my mind's not always sharp. I said, well, just pray when it is. And then when, you're, when it is sharp, ask that God will make your mind sharper so that you can keep doing it. Write, write things down. Just do it. And... Uh, and by the way, when you get old, you repeat yourself a lot. So just keep repeating to pray to me. Pray for me. That's what I want you to do. So, so I tried to encourage her. that you have a ministry. I, my own mother now in her 80s, and she, she can't get out like she used to. She said, what, you know, why am I still here? You can pray. That's a great ministry. You say, I don't know how to pray. I think I heard right before the service, somebody said, I, I want to learn a little, bit, a little bit about prayer. Let me, let me just give you a, a kind of a guide. I've used this before in church. I'll, I'll write it up here. I'm going to put it this way so the people online can see it. Just, just a quick little guide on how to, how to pray. Uh, if, if, you, if you're writing things down, just write, write just a simple acronym. Facts, F-A-S. Whoop, I misspelled facts. How do you do that? Uh, <laughs> C-T. I don't know if you can see this on the screen or not, this... this, this uh, this uh, uh, pen is a little bit weak. All right? So how, how, how do you pray? You want a little guide for your daily prayer time? Well, start off by focus. Okay, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Just be still for a minute. Shut the TV off. 
I don't know how you can pray with a TV blaring, especially if it's a, one of those shoot them up bang bang things. Shut the westerns off, you know. But stop and focus and just be still in the presence of God and enjoy the presence of God. It, th- that is so important. Uh, the last time we did the Lord's Supper, part of it I just said, let's just be quiet for a minute and, and examine our hearts. This is what we're talking about, focus. Just stop, be quiet. And then go into adoration. Adoration. Just just, just tell the Lord how wonderful He is. He is wonderful, isn't He? He's done something for us. He is our God. He created us. He, he gave us life and health and He's... He's redeemed us from our sins. He's done so many things for us and, uh, and created a beautiful world for us to live in. And uh, I was talking with someone the other day and, and how, how beautiful this world is. And he did that in six days. And he's in heaven preparing a place for us for over 2,000 years. Oh, my. That's going to be some place, isn't it? Right? So focus. Just stop. Be quiet. And adore the Lord for a while. And I think what will happen as you're adoring the Lord and you're seeing how good He is, you're going to have uh oh I'm not so good, come to mind. And some of your failures will come to mind. Well, what do we do? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So admit to God that you know that you've sinned. This is a ministry you can have, a ministry of prayer. Make sure that everything's right between you and the Lord. And then, when that happens, I think you're going to sense a time of... Boy, this pen is dying. I hope you can see this. Uh, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Just thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you, Lord, that I'm cleansed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, then... Remember, there's a passage in, in the, I think it's Proverbs, if, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So that's why these parts are so important. Because then we go into this last one, which is a big word, supplication. All right? You say, what is that? I, I, I don't know how to spell it, let alone what it means. But this is a, this is a pattern that I use when I pray. Supplication. I've made sure everything's right between me and God. I'm focusing on the Lord. I, I, I'm going to get on this way. Some of you on that side might not be able to see these things. And, and then I take my request to him. Pray for my sick friend or pray for God to work in our church. Pray for different things um, that need to pray for bills to be paid or whatever. Uh, and on all those things. So you bring those things. But this is a ministry that all of us can have. You may not be able to sing a solo. And I'm going to put this out of the way again. You may not be able to sing a solo. You may not be able to preach a sermon. You may not be able to go to the mission field. You may not be able to do a lot of things that other people do, but you can pray. So start right there with ministry, in the ministry of prayer. And no matter who you are, if you have a mind, and you know, you don't even have to, I think of, I think of Grace Jaja. Every time I call her, or every time I speak to her, she says, well, how is this happening? How is this going on? She knows more what's going on around here than I do. Now, why is that? Because people share prayer requests with her, because they know she's praying. 
That's a wonderful thing, a wonderful ministry. She, she can't see, but she can pray, right? Now, that's important that we have to have that. Matthew chapter 26, verse 41 says, Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, when Jesus said that, he was saying that to his disciples. He'd ask them to go over, come, come with me to, the, to Gethsemane, and we're going to pray. And he was preparing himself for um, going to the cross. And he wanted them. And every time he looked up there, those disciples were falling asleep over leaning against a tree or drooling on each other. I don't know what they were doing, but they were, they were gone. They weren't there. They weren't with him. He said, can't you just watch and pray? He says, your heart wants to do it. But your flesh is weak. So you need to ask God to help you to accomplish something in ministry. And don't give up because your flesh is weak. Just keep going back to the Lord, even though you find it, it difficult. Again, down at the bottom of page 3, there's a whole list of ministries that we say, I don't have the strength to do that. I don't, you know, you might be, you know, up in years and you're saying, I don't think I would be very good at five-day Bible camp. Those kids would kill me, you know. I don't want to be involved in that. I don't think I want to go hiking with the young people, the youth group up, up Mount Tamalpais. You know, I don't think I want to do those things. I'm not going to be jumping off of cliffs into the water with them and stuff like that. But there are some things that you can do. You can pray. You can do other things. You, you can witness. You can tell people what Jesus Christ has done for you. I, I am always amazed when I hear of uh, one of the ladies in our church who's always witnessing to people, darling here, darling that. You know who I'm talking about. And uh, I remember somebody having a difficulty on a bus right out in front of the church. And she went through and said, if that had been you that had been hurt in that, in that accident or hurt by that attack, would you know for sure where you were going? She was witnessing wherever she went. That's ministry. Now, she makes her living by selling flowers and doing weddings. But she's in the ministry. She's got it. And it's, she's faithful to doing that. You may not be able to sing. You may not go to a nursing home. All these things. But you can find something that you can do. Now, let's go to the next page. Again, this is exactly why God gave you a pastor. And not just me, but Pastor Kelly and Pastor Ennis, who also are involved in this thing. Our jobs is to help you and to equip you for ministry. It's, uh, it's, it's to show you how and to push you a little bit. But look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 8. Verses 7 through 8. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. That means you have something that Christ gave you that he wants you to use. I don't know what it is. I might think I know what it is. But you know what it is. And you say, well, I don't know what it is. Well, we're going to help you try to find out what that is. Okay? But every one of us has been given some kind of a gift, a spiritual gift to be used. Verse 8, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and gave gifts unto men. Jesus Christ, when you accepted him as Savior, he gave you some kind of a gift. He gave you salvation, he gave you the Holy Spirit, and he also has enabled you, whether it's an innate ability he gave you at the day of your birth, or something that has developed in you after you've accepted him as Savior, you have a spiritual gift. Verse 11, And he gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, 
I like the reading of the New American Standard better than the King James here. They're both true, except there's one little thing in the King James that I think needs to go away. A little thing. It's a little comma. It's not in the original, but it's there. A little comma in between the word service. Oh, the equipping of the for the equipping of this uh, for the perfecting of the saints comma in the King James for the work of the sir, work of the ministry look at the new american standard for the equipping of the saints for the work of service there's no comma in between those two words so what is a pastor's job to equip you to do the work of the ministry to equip you to get involved in service if you leave the comma in there sometimes people think that the pastors have been called to do the work of the ministry. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There's, what, 900,000 people? How many people in San Francisco? 850,000. 850,000 people. I, I, there's no way in the world I, as a pastor, am going to meet 850,000 people. Not at one time. Not unless I do something real bad and I'm on TV. and I don't plan on doing that there's no way but I can equip you to help me get there and I can help you to be effective in your little world there are some people in this room who speak another language that believe me I don't speak I tell everybody I took four years of Spanish I learned no hablo espanol I took a little bit of Greek. I can order a sandwich. That's about all I can do. I, I haven't taken any Hebrew. I don't know Russian. You know, I, I, I like to eat Turkish food, but I could never pronounce it, you know. But some of you have that ability. And you can reach some people that I can't reach. You can speak to some people I can't speak to. But I can give you the equipment so that you can go do it. Look down there in the bottom of the page there on page four you see that what it what is that what you in that picture in that little circle there it's a coach giving instruction to the basketball team right now has anybody ever been a coach who was never once a basketball player i've seen that done it doesn't go very well i've never i i, I remember for when my daughter was little um she was on a little little league, like a little league uh, soccer team. And they had a coach whose daughter was also on the same team. And he was the, and he was the coach for the soccer team. Now, I played soccer. He never played soccer in his life. He didn't know what a soccer ball was. And yet he was the coach. And I can tell you that team didn't win a game the whole season. It was just one little club of people going everywhere. He didn't tell them. He said, y'all go chase that ball. Y'all go chase that ball. But he didn't know what they were supposed to do with it when they got it. And so I was able to step in a couple of times and try to give him a little bit of instruction. But I wasn't the coach. He was the coach. And so it didn't go so well. No, you have to know the game in order to be able to do this. So it's good to have a coach or a pastor who's done some of these things. He's already been there. He's done those things. That's why you don't take a brand new Christian and immediately make him a pastor. You give him a chance to shoot, to, uh, to, to attempt some of these things and to try these things out and to learn how to do it so that he can pass along what he's learned along the way to others. This is what a basketball coach does. That's what a pastor does. 
we pass along to others. And it takes a well-equipped, well-trained and skilled team to win the game. Now, again, the coach may be a great former NFL or NBA basketball, NFL basketball player, a black belt in basketball. But uh, he may have been a great basketball player in his day. But if you put five guys from the other team playing against him by himself, he's, I don't care how good he is, he's probably going to get beat because they can pass the ball. and He has no one to pass it to. He's got to do it all by himself. This is why you need a team. So the coach trains the team with the skills that he has so that they can take those skills and use those and their own individual talents that he may not have. You know, you know how see how tall I am. On a basketball team, it's nice to have a guy who's way up here. I'll never read, not even high heels, I can't get that tall. Right? And I'd break my legs if I tried. But if I was coaching a basketball team, I'd want that guy and I'd want to be able to tell him a little bit about how to do that from there. And then I want one of the little short guys who can dribble so fast that he can dribble and nobody knows where he is half the time, right? So you have the coach takes his skills and he passes it on and he uses the individual talents of the people on the team and says, this is where you need to fit in. This is where you fit in. This is where you can be used. And he nudges them and helps them and encourages them along the way. Puts a little fire in their bones. See what I'm saying? That's what, that's what a coach is supposed to do. And that's what a pastor is supposed to do. Go to the next page, page five. Uh, just like a basketball team has to have a coach that says, let's go do this. A church needs a pastor to do that. That's why God gave you the pastor. All right, so, but we all have a part to play. It's as if God is the owner of the team. And he really is. He owns it all. And he has selected a coach for this local church. And yet he's selected the players who are here. And he's brought all of us together for a purpose. And we all have to work together to accomplish what God wants done. Everyone playing their part, we can really get some things done. It's not enough to just read your Bible. Okay? It's not enough just to know your Bible and read your playbook. Now, it is sufficient to teach you all truth, but you need a little help going out how to apply this and how to use it in different places, where to take it, how to tell others of Jesus Christ, how you can do this. So that's the idea here. Pastor's job is to help everybody be the best they can in the ministry that God equipped them to do. Look at page five in the bottom there. Ministry is built on basic principles, not clever methods. We're not trying to trick people into heaven. We're not trying to trick people into serving the Lord. We're going to use some basic principles and say this is how God has said to have it done. Methods are many. Missions, children's work, music ministry, writing, preaching, individual witnessing, all of these different things. There's a lot of different kinds of ministry. Methods are ministry. Principles are few. Methods may change. You know, we were singing a few different songs than what we did before. And uh, we have maybe a different translation than the Apostle Paul had. So those things may change. But the principles of truth don't change. And that's what we want to stick to as we go about these things. We want to implement biblical methods to accomplish God's purpose, not our own purpose. This is not about building the biggest church in San Francisco. This is about reaching the people that God wants us to reach. 
and somebody else can read some that they that God wants them to reach. Okay. Page six. The ultimate purpose of a local church and the ultimate purpose of equipping the saints for the work of ministry is to edify or to build up one another. To edify and to build up the body of Christ. Let me read those verses to you again. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. You can see them there on page 4. Unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. Why? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Our job and one of our greatest ministries is just to keep building each other up and encouraging other, each other to just keep going. You know, we don't have lunch and mingle just to eat. That's a good part of it, especially if somebody really knows how to cook. Boy, wasn't that Easter Sunday meal good? It was really hard to stay awake after that, wasn't it? It was good. But we don't just eat to eat. We eat to fellowship with one another, to build each other up, to encourage each other. I like it when I go around to the table sometimes, or I sit at a table with other people, and I hear them talk about something that was said in the message, or something that they learned in Sunday school. You'll see me oftentimes with the little children, I'll... I'll grab one of them, pull them over here and say, hey, what did you learn in Sunday school? Uh, Moses? Well, what about Moses? Well, well, you better think about that. I want to hear what you learned. Because my job is to edify that little, little, little guy or that little girl and, and build them up. Don't be surprised if I do that to you. What did I preach about last week? Uh, honestly, I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I forget what I preached last week. That's so, so I wouldn't do that. But I would like you to know what I preached right after I get done preaching it. So, so be, don't be surprised if we just encourage each other in that way. But it's not just about learning the information. It's about implementing what we learn. We don't want to be just hearers, right? We want to be doers. We want to take the things we learn. And Pastor Kelly's uh, adult Bible study or Pastor Innes's preaching or my preaching or whatever something that we've read in our Bible. And we don't want to just have it stored in our heads. We want to go out and do something with it, accomplish what God wants us to do. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 on page 6 there says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's not just to know what he wants. It's not just to want to do what he wants. It's actually to get up and go do it and to accomplish it. It's good to have the desire. It's good to have the knowledge. But sometimes you just got to make yourself get up out of bed and go and do it. I had to do that yesterday. Somebody said, we should go over to Sacramento and talk about, talk to those legislators about this bill that they want to, AB 2223, where they want to uh, let babies die a week after they're born. We should say something about that. I said, well, that's at 9 o'clock on Tuesday morning. I'm, I don't really want to go to Sacramento that early. Well, somebody said, we want to go. I said, so I, we got up really early. I think we left here. Well, we were supposed to leave at 6.30. We got out a little late. And so we had to get up early. And go, but we had to get up out of bed and get dressed and go to do that in order to minister. And it's hard. It's hard, and sometimes it's not so much fun, actually. Those senators don't really like it when you come by and knock on their door. 
But, uh, but sometimes we have to do these things. It's ministry. We have to go to do the things that God wants us to do. It's not always pleasant to go witness to your neighbor because they don't want to hear it. It's not always pleasant to go out and hang door hangers, especially if it's starting to spit a little rain on you. Aren't you glad we don't get snow? I've seen people do it in the snow. No, we have to actually get active and go out and do what we know to do. And that takes work. That takes personal discipline. The New American Standard says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In short, we are winning as a church when we are actively involved in ministry. It's not about necessarily reaching 500 new people for Christ this week. If we work together and one person comes to Christ, we've, we've won. If we work together and no one comes to Christ, but they've heard the gospel, we've won. If we just simply are standing for truth and people know what we stand for, we know that they know that we believe the Bible here, we've won. We've been active in ministry, accomplishing what God has called us to do and allowed us to do. Here's a little definition here on page six I got from Warren Wearsby that you really ought to memorize. What is ministry? You say, I'd like to get my ship off the sail, but I don't know where we're going. What is ministry? Ministry takes place, here's four things, when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. Those are four things. Those are the four basic elements of ministry. They're in red letters down below that. We cannot do ministry without divine enablement. We, we can't do anything. There's a passage, I was going to put it in the notes today, and I'm going to get to that at another time. In John 15, Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. So we can't do any kind of ministry in our own strength. I can't preach a sermon. You can't witness. You, you, you know, there's nothing you can do in your own strength that is ministry. You need to be walking with the Lord to have ministry. So we cannot do ministry without divine enablement. Number two, we will not do ministry without seeing the need. You won't minister to anybody. You won't witness to somebody if you don't think they're lost. You won't, you won't feed somebody until you know they're hungry. You won't wipe a table down until you see it's dirty. You have to be able to see a need, and then you begin to minister. God gives you the ability. Maybe it's the ability to actually see the need, but he gives you an ability. And then you act upon it because you see the need and then we are merely channels of God's resources we're not doing this for us we're not doing this for our name we're not doing this for our glory we're not doing this we're just simply passing along what God has given to us a good definition of witnessing is one beggar telling another beggar where he can find bread spiritual bread that's what we're doing we're no better than anybody else but Jesus saved us let's tell somebody else about this there's a story in the Old Testament about four, four lepers. They weren't allowed to be around anybody. And they were starving. And God had sent this noise and chased an army out of the town. And they went into the town and found all this food and all this wealth. And boy, they were just having at it. They were pigging out. And then one of them said, oh, this isn't good. There's a whole city over there that's starving. We ought to go tell them about it. That's what ministry is. We've found something. We need to share it with others. We're just a channel of what God's given to us. Okay? So there has to be a willingness about this. This is what we're talking about. And then fourthly, if God's not glorified, we fail to do ministry. 
Again, it's not about us. It's about pointing people to Jesus Christ and having them fall in love with him and what he's done for them. Now let's go on quickly, page seven. Every team has its unique skills and abilities. And so this is why it's important for you to know what your skill is. Now chances are if you're on my basketball team and you're seven foot six, I'm not gonna make you the point guard. Not unless I got a nine foot center. You're probably gonna be back down there by the, by the, by the basket to, to get rebounds and push balls back up when they fall out and knock, knock the other ball down when the other guy's trying to shoot. That's what your job is gonna be. But I might have somebody different with a different ability out there dribbling and passing and calling the plays. Now, it's important for all of us to know our particular skill set, our particular ministry, our particular calling, our particular gift. And so what I put together, well, I, actually, I didn't put this together. I downloaded this from online, Lifeway Christian Services, bottom page seven. Uh, tells you the resource here, Lifeway Christian Resources. I downloaded it and put it in the form in that for you. So that I want you, I'm giving you a homework assignment. Don't you love homework? How many of you like homework? Raise your hand. That's what I thought. All right, you're going to have to do, this is still your homework assignment, whether you like it or not. I want you to take this, this home, page 7 and 8. Look at there, page 9, page 10, page 11. Now it won't take you that long. There are 80 questions here. And by the way, I'm going to tell you up front. It's a test, but you can't fail it. Don't you like tests like that? What it is is just simply help, trying to help you discern what your spiritual gift is. I've done tests like this before. It's been very helpful to me. And uh, Chris and I were talking about this the other day. I thought this would be a good thing for our church. For us as individuals to find out what, it is, what is it that I'm good at? Now, I haven't given you the key on how to grade it yet. I want to do that next week. Okay? Now, if you're curious, and you say, well, I want to get this done. I want to find I know Rick Womack's going to do this. You go to that website, and you look it up, and they'll tell you how to grade your own tests ahead of time so you can kind of see what it's going to be like. But there are several gifts, spiritual gifts, that God gives to people. And, and it would be helpful for you to find out what that is, wouldn't it? That way you could know what God wants you to do with your life. So take, your take some time over the next few days. Take that booklet that I gave you and go find out what your spiritual gift is. All right, we'll show you how, uh, how to do this. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. Go to page 11 and then on to page 12. Well, actually, page 12 is where you can go, the last page of the book. Okay, and I'll give you a little synopsis up here and then we'll read the passage. Peter and John are going to the temple back in the early days of the church. And they go up to the temple, and as they're going to the gate beautiful at the time of worship, there's a lame man there. And the lame man is saying, give me something, please. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'll give you. Now what did he have? He had a spiritual gift from the Lord. Let's read this. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Uh, and Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. 
What did he have? He had something that God had provided for him. Now, what is ministry? It is, go back to that page where we talked about that. Just repeat that with me because I want you to memorize this. It's when divine resources. What was the divine resource that Peter had? He had the ability given to him by God to help this man. Okay, to heal him. When divine resources meet human needs, what was a man's need? He needs to be able to walk. He's lame. Now, he's only asking for money. But Peter says, I can give you something more than that. We see people all the time that are asking for things when well, we have something greater for them, and that's salvation, eternal life, right? So, he said, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels. Peter and John looked down upon him, and they loved him, and they cared for him, and they ministered to him. They didn't just walk past him, and God got glorified. Look what happened. Acts chapter 3, verses 6 through 8, middle of page 12. Peter, and, Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The guy said, all I wanted was a piece of bread. But I'll take it, right? And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And as a result of that, Peter and John, using their gifts in this man's life, Divine enablement, meeting human need through a channel of blessing. God was glorified. That's ministry. That's ministry. All right, Acts chapter 3, verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. So other people heard about God. And they knew that it was he for which, or which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened to him. And as the layman which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And a crowd gathered. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power, our own holiness, we had made this man to walk? Man to walk. He says, we don't have the ability to do this. God can do this. We saw a need. God used us as a channel of blessing. And he is the one to be glorified. Verse 13, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his son Jesus. And then what happens after that, Peter goes into this great sermon. And a lot of people came to know Jesus Christ as Savior that day. Why? Because Peter and John made themselves available for ministry. And they used divine enablement to meet human need as a channel of blessing for the glory of God. That's ministry. You and I need to be doing that. That's what happens when we do our ministry in the power of God. Will you do your part to be involved in the work of the Lord? We'll continue, and we'll go on with this and study this a little bit more over the next few weeks, focusing on these four attributes of ministry. Well, let's stand together, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Thank you for being here tonight. I so appreciate you coming. This is the first step of ministry, being here hearing the word of God, getting the equipment you need so that you can get started. So it's very important that you're here. And very important for those of you who are watching on live stream. Thank you for watching. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what Jesus Christ did for us. Thank you for what we just celebrated, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord to redeem us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word that we can study to learn about how to please you with our lives. 
Lord, I pray that you help us to be diligent to be involved in the ministry that you have called each of us to do. Help us to find what you want us to do as an individual for the glory of God through this local church. And we'll praise and thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.